0: If you want interesting and entertaining debate on the Premier League and other
2: English leagues, but from a show that doesn't take itself too seriously, then check out The Whistleblowers. So weekly football podcast hosted by me. I used to play football, Martin Gritton, uh, stand-up Mark Smith when he can, and music manager Gareth Dobson, who uh, always has plenty of good chat, being a Spurs fan. Um, We basically get football writers in to have a chat as well. And we talk about the stories that matter in English football, whether it's on the pitch or off it. It's free to listen to iTunes, ACAS, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts, Uh, or you can download the whistleblowers app, follow us on Twitter at football podcast. Cheers.
3: Hello and welcome to the Chels. Here we go again. It's lockdown time but at least we've got football to keep us going. Oh and maybe that'll get rid of all that pay-per-view nonsense. Andy is here with me again. Here we are locked away. Well in a couple of days time. How are you and how are you looking forward to the next month?
2: Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Um, I looking? Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it, but, you know, as I've said before, I work from home, and so it's not a huge difference to me. My world is pretty small anyway. I'm not going anywhere, although I did go... That's a lie, actually. I did go to Norfolk this weekend, but, you know, generally, I'm not going anywhere. I'm only going within, like, a mile of my house, so it doesn't feel particularly different to me um, So so yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm, I'm just sort of shrugging my shoulders really and Grimly getting on with it. How about you?
3: Yeah, I'm the same, you know, I now live in the middle of the countryside uh, um so Consequently, I just carry on with each day doing what I do and often I don't see people anyway But you know mentally you've now got certain restrictions You have to think about the way you plan your day what you can do what you can't do We're, We're back to that that mentality again so Yeah, I'll I'll cope with it. I'm sure, you know, I'm luckier than a lot of people. I'm lucky I've got a garden I can go out in. And and I just feel for everybody because at least last time round, we had pretty good weather through it and people Mm. could go outside and I fear for, for a lot of people that, you know, it's really going to get to them even more this time. So, yeah, mm-hmm. my, my heart goes out to everyone and let's, you know, keep on talking to everyone. You know, that, that's my advice to, to my friends and things is just keep on chatting and making that phone call to, to somebody because there are people out there who need to have a chat.
2: And I think yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a very good point you make about you know being lucky enough to have a you know a house and a garden because I would imagine if you lived in a shared house or a flat without a garden or you know less than you know salubrious accommodation it's not very nice at all and and, and so if you are in that situation you know Kerry's absolutely right make sure you talk to people you know there's a whole community of Chelsea fans out there on social media that will talk to you and you know try and try and you know and and, and keep active because it must be awful and 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 i feel for you if, if that's the case and you know we should always think about people's mental health and think about people's happiness and 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 try and help them whenever we can because these are these are difficult and strange times
3: They are and uh, that actually leads me into the the other thought that I mentioned at the top about Pay-per-view, you know, I mean it's had a hard time from everybody this pay-per-view especially at 1495 Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do now I mean, okay for for the the last game Did you do the pay-per-view or did you go and pay money to a local food bank? What what
2: was your thinking this time round? I did both Uh, I offset if, if that's the right expression, so yep. I, I bought the game, because um, uh, I, I want, you know, as I said before, I wanted to watch the game in HD, and I wanted to watch it in decent quality, I didn't want to watch it on a suffering, illegal feed. I mean, I'm happy to do that. I have done that on many, many occasions, as I say, particularly for away games I haven't been able to attend. So I know that experience very well. But if the opportunity was there to watch the game, I wanted to watch the game. However, the £15 that I spent on the game, I also made a £15 donation to the Hammersmith and Fulham food bank uh, as well so you know sort of like a carbon offset thing to you know to a to assuage my guilt um you know but also to you know to to do the right thing so it cost me 30 quid to watch the game but you know i don't resent i don't resent having to do that it's my choice so so that's what i did what about you
3: uh, no, I didn't do pay-per-view, and I decided I would still pay money to a local food bank, uh, especially when I found out, and don't worry everyone, we're going to get straight on the football in a minute, but I think these are important moments, and we can all do a bit. I found out that our local food bank uh, in South Leicestershire, up until March, was feeding 40 families, uh, and now it feeds 500 families, wow. uh, and I found that really shocking. So, yeah, I donated uh um, tin of beans. <laughs> more than a tin of beans, um, right. you know, but yeah, but that 's it you know I mean, we can all do something wherever, and if you 're one of those people who 's using them don 't have any pride about it, you know, I know of people that 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 won 't use them that 's what it 's there for 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 people who desperately need them, so you know what we needed this week to uh, to cheer up Chelsea fans was to carry on the work from the United game, which, as you said last week was, you know, a perhaps a pivotal moment. And Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank said, further on down the line, this could be the game we look back at and say that nil-nil was worth it. And, um, you know, it, it, it really was uh, one of those weeks we were worried about the amount of travelling because we had to go to Russia from Krasnodar to Krasnodar after the United game and then off to Burnley. All of these places, you know, could be a hiccup along the route. So... You know, after the dour but essential goalless draw, we went to Russia and we met our chairman, our owner, Roman Abramovich there, who saw Chelsea for the first time in ages and ages. So how did you feel when you were getting the the gearing up for it? You saw the, the footage with... With fans in the in the ground, I think there was eleven thousand fans were allowed in the stadium and that was odd in itself to see what are those th- oh they're people 's arms, oh they're flags oh they 're scarves it, it was like oh, I remember football. <laughs>
2: yeah i mean look can i can i just just very quickly i want to i want to talk about this game in in a second but i just wanted to mention while we're on the subject of food banks the reese james project that's going on at the moment uh reese james is involved in a thing called the felix project uh which is helping feed london and it's his birthday coming up and for his birthday he wants to raise a hundred thousand pounds to help feed london so if you just google reese james the felix project you can uh donate towards that i just wanted to mentioned that before oh, no. we, while we were doing it uh, right look so, let, good so let's good interruption no sorry about that but let, let's go back to uh, uh to Door. yeah uh, you know you're quite right it, we talked about how that nil-nil against United would provide a foundation for us that would hopefully start to Uh, create some solidity in our team that's been sorely missing in recent times. Uh, And we know about the addition of our new goalkeeper, Mendy. We know about the addition of Thiago Silva and what a difference they've made. And we certainly continued this with our 4-0 victory um, over, let's be honest, a bit of a pub team, uh, not a great team. You know this team have only been around since 2008. Frank (laughs) Lampard had played 400 games uh, before they were launched, Krasnodar. By a supermarket magnet, um, so they were a fairly new team. Although you know they have been successful in Russia, they've had a lot of investment. Uh, you can't take any teams uh, lightly in the Champions League, but you know ultimately, you know uh, as a prelude to what we're going to talk about, it was a fairly comfortable victory.
3: Yeah, I'd, I'd say they were potentially a little bit more than a pub side. A little mean, bit,
2: little yeah. bit, but they weren't great. I mean, if we hadn't, if we weren't able to overcome this team, there'd have been issues.
3: For sure, you know, and and that's it. But (laughs) they also had nine first-team players out. And and I would suggest that a different time of the season, say if we were in deepest winter over there and they had all their players there and they had the fans, it could have been a very nasty game. I think it worked out well for us to have it so early in in the the tournament. So, you know, it it, it was... was, I suppose we would say it's a no-win situation in certain ways. If you're going over there and you don't perform, God, you're really going to cop it. But we we saw. A, a, I mean, what did you think of the team? Were you happy with the way Frank set it up at, to start with?
2: Well, yeah. I, you know, it was nice to see Zayat getting his first start. Um, you know, the, the 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 back four was very experienced. We had Aspillita Zuma. Uh, Rudiger coming in for his uh, his first start of the season which was interesting, I don't think a lot of people saw that, um, and Chilwell, so a lot of experience in that back four, obviously with Mendy and goal, the midfield with Kovacic and Jorginho raised a few eyebrows with some people, but then you had Havertz playing in his preferred position in a central role with Zayic, uh starting for the first time, Werner and Callum Hudson-Odoi getting a start uh, as the front three so I think you looked at that team and you thought, well that should be enough you know, that should that should definitely be enough. There's enough firepower there and enough solidity. Uh, and so it proved, although the first half was uh, a little bit dour and a little bit frustrating.
3: Yeah, I, I, I think it was laboured is, is the way I would put it. Yeah, I it think, was laboured. I think in a, in a kind of a way, and, and, and we'll talk about the changes Frank made in a minute, but you know, it, it was, I, I don't know, I think maybe we were expecting more from the opposition, and so we'd set up uh, partially defensively. The, the other thing that always concerns me, um, I know that a lot of people have slight issues with Zuma. Um, whenever he plays with Rudiger, Zuma ends up on the right and Mm -hmm. that always concerns me because he looks better on the left say when he's playing with Silva and I I find that kind of a strange thing it looks really unnatural to Zuma to be on the right Um, and I I, we got through it and they, they worked well and Rudiger did nothing wrong on his return I thought it was just interesting that Frank even made a little bit of a speech about him and saying yeah yeah we've had a chat we've gone through things and you know I'm really glad you know he's a thoroughly great professional Um, and it does suggest that Frank sometimes takes issue with certain players if they aren't doing things and they do get dismissed out the way
2: Um,
3: so I would also suggest that Frank is probably a tougher manager than a lot of people would realize
2: well I think he learned at the feet of the best in that respect didn't he with Mourinho I mean Mourinho was very clear when players fell out of favour. There were moments with Ricardo Cavallio, I remember, when, you know, he spoke out of turn or, you know, wasn't doing what he was told. Joe Cole fell out of favour on occasion. You know, Mourinho wasn't wasn't slow to let players know that they were Uh, displeasing him and I think Frank has taken that my way or the highway management view which in the modern game is probably the right thing to do you have to stamp your ideas your vision uh, your philosophy on a team and you have to demand that players bend to your will and I think there's no sign of weakness in Frank it's it's very much his way or you don't play and that's good to see I I, I think your point about Rudiger being professional is worth noting he is you know has been incredibly professional he has been a frustrating player on the pitch on occasions but you can't question his attitude and and his professionalism and for a footballer of of his standing and his quality that's great to see and I think he deserves respect for that
3: absolutely and I would say it's not ever that he's been a bad player he's just been a good player who's been out of form and Mm. it's been a a long run of out of form and perhaps that's all to do with say the injury he had before last season and it's very hard isn't it for players to come into a side especially in defense and catch up with everyone else's fitness you're you're kind of behind everyone and and he he just didn't look the right player as we've talked about a lot last year but well also as
2: well I think we, we can't we can't I think, ignore the fact that we, uh, we the strategy and the coaching wasn't good enough. I just don't think that that back four with that goalkeeper, with those players were were coached well enough or were given uh, given a good enough game plan or that we had a good enough strategy from the management downwards in the early days of this season or the end of last season. I just don't think it was good enough and there seems to have been a real step change in that and we seem to have got a much clearer idea of what we need to do to get these clean sheets and to to provide a solid foundation for the really flair and uh, attacking penetrative players that we've got to do their thing. And so your point about setting up, I don't think that was because we expected them to be a particularly good team. I think it was to build on that defensive solid foundation and to make sure that we continued that going no matter who we played.
3: And also, probably to just give a little bit extra cover to the defence, because Thiago Silva wasn't there to boss everyone around. So, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with 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 all those sort of points of view. I think it was only once we got into the game that Frank obviously realised we could go on and do more here. And and you know, I mean, we were lucky that Safanov in goal for them was the Russian keeper, weren't we? Uh, and it was well,
2: it was a terrible mistake for for Calam's first goal, wasn't it?
3: Yeah absolutely you know I mean sorry but all day long that should be being saved mm-hmm. um, but th- then we got uh, Jorginho's penalty and
2: you know we hadn't scored a goal for 248 minutes before that yeah I, it's, it's so, link- so you, sometimes you need one to come off someone's arse to you know to, to, to break that drought and, uh, and, and we got that it, wasn't, it was an awful mistake.
3: Yeah, it was. Um, but the, then we went on, got the penalty, which Jorginho missed.
2: But it did. didn't, didn't seem to affect us, but okay. Did, I mean, he didn't do anything wrong apart from hitting the post. I mean, he sent the keeper the wrong way, he looked comfortable. And, uh, look, I've got a bit of a problem with, with, with the reaction to Jorginho from some of our, you know, fellow supporters. I mean, there is a lot of hate being directed towards him at the moment. After, weirdly, he'd come back into favour with most fans. You know, after he'd experienced a really difficult time at the hands of some of our so-called supporters he'd come back into favor and now he seems to be a lightning rod for a lot of criticism listen if someone misses a penalty they miss a penalty it shouldn't be you know an excuse to gloat it shouldn't be an excuse to you know to to validate yourself and your views you know and some of the reactions i saw were disgraceful and you know i would just say to those people that you know that behave like that in the wake of his miss just just have a word with yourself just sit back and reflect on 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 the way you Approaching this, you know, Jorginho is a, is a really professional and committed member of the Chelsea team, and he deserves our support.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that further on down the line, he won't play as much as he has done. Um, if things work out the way I think they will with Frank, but I think he's just still an important part of our team, our squad. You know, I don't think Jorginho ever lets us down. Um, and, and I like what he does at times. You know, I, I do think sometimes in the way we're trying to play, perhaps he... Slows things down, but I mean he's a clever player and and maybe we haven't quite worked out exactly how to utilize him in the system So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'm totally with you You know, I, I think it's a shame he missed a penalty, but do I want Jorginho to miss a penalty? No, I don't I'm Do you think he should be taking the penalties? No, that was going to be my next question. Okay, where, where uh, when you see Werner take his penalty and the way he does them He looks like a striker who takes penalties because he wants another goal on his goal tally. He's not interested in taking anything other than a penalty that goes in the net. I mean, like all players, but he thumps it. He looks like a striker taking a penalty and... I personally I like strikers who take penalties and he looks greedy he wants to take the penalty so for me if Jorginho I think even if Jorginho's playing I think at this moment in time I would pass the ball to Timo Werner
2: I don't know how you view it but that's my thought yeah uh, listen I, I want I want the penalty taker who's going to score to take the penalties so if Werner is the best penalty taker, he should take them. That's my view. If Jorginho is the best penalty taker, he should take them. I don't, I don't have a view beyond that. I don't see them in training. I don't see them practice. I don't see who has the highest score rate. I, you know, in I, I, you know, Frank we trust, if he picks the right player to take the penalties... You know, I'll back him 100%. I mean, Jorginho, again, you know, it was the width of a post that that stopped him doing it. It wasn't as if it was a terrible penalty. Um, you mm-hmm. know, it, it just didn't go on this occasion. Um, I suppose you could argue it was a terrible penalty. It didn't, didn't go in, but it wasn't a, you know, he didn't shank it. He didn't put it down the middle. He didn't put it too close to the goalkeeper. He just, you know, he just got his angles wrong. Um, so I, I don't have a problem either way. I, I'm certainly not screaming for Werner to take the penalties from here on in. It's, you know, it's one of those things. The manager decides who he thinks has the best. Um, has has the best chance of uh, of netting and, and chooses accordingly. So that, that's what we should do.
3: And let's not forget, we do have players in the past who have hit the post from a penalty and not been completely pilloried. So, yeah, well, yeah, you know. So yeah, let's move on. I'm with you. Whoever takes it, takes it. But I do think ultimately. Timo well, Frank,
2: will- Frank wasn't a striker. I mean, you could have argued in, in, in your, in your uh, methodology that Drogba should have taken all the penalties, scored the, scored the most iconic penalty in our club's history. Um, but Frank Lampard took our penalties. He was a midfielder.
3: Yeah, but that was because he'd staked his claim early and he, he
2: just... But you, but your point about strikers taking the penalties, it's, it's kind of moot, isn't it, really?
3: Well, yeah, no, but I, what I'm saying is whoever takes it, you want to see the, the look in their eye, they're going to score. There's some people you see step up for a penalty and it's like penalty shootouts. I love watching players come from the halfway line and you're going... Never going to score, and you know sometimes you see
2: yeah, it, the, the eighteen-year-old, you know, sort of left back who's making yeah. his JB, you know, coming up to to take a penalty in the League Cup quarter-finals. You know, yeah, absolutely, he's never uh, going to score. Look at or, look at him twitching, or it's the biggest
3: player. You know, we've yeah. seen Ronaldo miss him. We've seen Messi. Look, everybody misses penalties. That's just what happens. I just like the look in Werner's eye. He looks like, here comes another goal for me. It's a just, I, I don't care whether he plays right back, left back, goalkeeper. Whoever takes them, you want yeah. them to score. So, yeah, yeah whatever. But, um, but yeah, okay. The, the the other thing about the game um, that I thought was uh, the pivotal moment and it may actually prove to be a pivotal moment if united felt like a turning point i think there was a moment that actually possibly gave an indication of how frank wants to move forward now whether that's by luck or by design once we changed to that midfield of kante mountain havertz the team changed. It yeah. seemed to free everything up. Now it yeah. won't work every single game, but boy, when you've got that many creative players, it allows it to be fluid, doesn't it?
2: It does. He does um, you know, and and I think that that midfield has been a jigsaw puzzle for Frank Lampard he's slowly getting it right. I think that there you know you have to play the opposition on their merits, and you have to study them and figure out where their strengths and their weaknesses lie, and play accordingly. But I think having some consistency uh, about your philosophy and the way you want to play and how you can impose your game on the opposition that seems to be slowly coming into focus and slowly clarifying for frank Uh, and and that's that's a good thing and the thing is he's he's brought in six key players and integrating those players as he said you know in his post-match interviews is is not an easy thing and people expecting that to happen straight away um you know are unrealistic It, it takes a while to integrate New players from different leagues, different cultures, different languages on occasion together into the philosophy of a manager and get them to play in a way that complements everybody else. So it's, it's not an easy project, you know, to bring in that many players. We are seeing really interesting signs of, of it working, particularly in the Burnley game, which was fantastic, which we'll come on and talk about. But, you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's a project at the moment and we have to treat it as such.
3: Yeah, absolutely. But this was a, a very positive move. Um, I, I think it, it does allow Mountain Havertz to control the game. And, and actually... I mean, are, for, we, are we on to Burnley now? Are no, we? not yet. No, Sorry. I just think in that last part of, of, of the Krasnodar game, we saw when Pulisic came on as well, and he shook it up, and he really showed... Pulisic,
2: no. Sorry, Yes, yeah, Pula sick note.
3: Oh, very good.
2: No, it's not but, mine. It's my son's. But you know, I, I have to give him credit for that. He did ta- copyright that. Uh, yeah. He told me um, so. But yes, Pula sick note came on and uh, uh, and did his thing. But you know, I have I, I fear for him. I have to say, I fear for his ability to stay fit.
3: Yeah. I, well, the the annoying thing is, well, there's two ways of looking at it. He actually had two years where he didn't stop playing. And now maybe we're getting the repercussions of that long spell of playing because he was playing in Germany, then going straight off to America. Maybe we've
2: seen... Chronic hamstrings are an issue. Well, they are once
3: they've started happening. That's what I
2: mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. And they have started happening. And he got pulled off in the the warm-up against Burnley because he felt a tweak in his hamstring. And, you know, you don't know how serious that is or, you know, whether it was just precaution. It sounds like it was. But once those hamstrings start to... You twang know, twang I mean we saw this with Michael Owen we saw it with you know other other key players once that starts to happen you you do fear for them
3: Well also they it's like iron robin he used to get hamstring problems and he changed the way that he played if you remember robin when Well he it first... wasn't
2: necessarily hamstring problems with 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 robin that that's that's the difference he had a whole range of things but it wasn't a chronic hamstring issue you know, he would like he, he just didn't want he just wouldn't play unless he was a hundred percent, which used to drive Mourinho mad. I mean he had ankle issues, he had you know, he had all sorts of different issues. Um and, you know, and subsequently went on and played a, you know, a million games for Bayern Munich, having But he changed the way he played. Yeah well, yes, exactly. But 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 what the point is that wasn't this specific issue that I'm talking about. This specific injury seems to be a career curtailer or can be a career curtailer whereas Robin just had a bunch of niggling injuries that yes he changed the way he played and he went on to have a very very successful career particularly at Bayern Munich Um, I'm I'm slightly worried about this particular injury with with Pulisic because it keeps recurring
3: well, we'll see. I, what I'm, my point is that Pulisic may have to change the way that he plays as a player if
2: this keeps on going. But yeah, well, how yeah. did Robin change the way he played? He stopped. Uh, he stopped racing around. If you remember, though, but he th- didn't, know, did he? Really, because when he went to Bayern Munich, that was his game.
3: Yeah, but it was different though, because he was always cutting inside. Before he used to go on the outside, which is harder on the muscles, and he would yeah. take players on the outside. Yeah, what I mean, he, he changed. The best way to sort his muscles out and and not put too much strain on him, Pulisic is there to to you know he's got afterburners like Timo Werner, but yeah. he can do it when he's dribbling as well, and that's that could be a problem. We'll see. Look, hopefully they know what they're doing. I, and I want to stay yeah.
2: positive about it. Yeah, I, want, exactly. I want I want I want I want him to go on and become a you know an incredible player for us. He has all the ingredients to be able to do that. He hasn't really done it. You know, to be honest, so far this season, because he's clearly not 100% fit. So I think we'll have to wait and, and, and see you know, whether, whether he can join the dream team of you know, Werner and, and Zayek and you know, Tammy Abraham and, and, and those other front players that will you know, hopefully become a really potent force in, in, in our team for years to come.
3: The Chelsea All Stars, as I'm starting to call them. Well, that's a bit premature. (laughs) Yeah, but so what? Get it in a bit premature. You
2: need to stop that. That's going (laughs) to jinx them, Kerry. That's going to be your fault. Stop that. That's (laughs) an order. Stop calling them the Chelsea All Stars. (laughs) Uh, Okay.
3: I'll try, try, but you know, you're going to
2: start calling them the Chelsea Globetrotters soon, aren't you, or something? Well,
3: I did first. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then I thought, no, I better change it to
2: All Stars. You get too (laughs) excited, Kerry.
3: (laughs) I know, I can't help it. That's just (laughs) how I am. But but, the the great thing about Pulisic, when he came on, you see that, that what's so fascinating about all these players, they all do different things. Um, none of them are just, you, you know, last year we were talking about, say, our midfielders. Oh, well, they all do the same thing. And that's been a problem for a couple of years. Well, now we've got all these players. They all do something different. They can all be in a different part of the pitch and do yeah, Pulisic, something.
2: Pulisic particularly, he, he's, he's got a little bit of the X factor about him. When he's on top form, his ability to, to do something out of the ordinary is probably elevates him about, uh, above other players in the team.
3: Maybe. I, I, the person I'm really looking forward to getting to know is uh, Zayek. I, I thought Zayek just against Krasnodar was a, an interesting player because he looked as though he was walking through treacle the first half. Lovely touch, lovely ideas, lovely passes, but didn't look match fit because, of course, he's missed pre-season. And he just grew into the game and he he looks, you know, it was great to see him score. And then, of course, we saw Pulisic get, get the fourth goal as well. And you just see Goals could potentially come from anywhere. They've all got an eye for goal.
2: Yeah, with, I mean, Ziyech with... was clearly man of the match. I, th- I thought he was fantastic. As you say, even uh, even at sixty percent, yeah, uh, I thought he was he was head and shoulders. Um, and, and you're right. You know, he's he's somebody that could be. I mean, he wasn't Ajax's player of the year for three seasons in a row for nothing. You know, he's a quality quality player. Uh, my point about Pulisic was that what he does is. You know, it's it it's just that little bit of magic. It's magic, do you know what I mean? Whereas I think Zayek is a very direct and clever and um penetrative player and, and that's brilliant. But I just think I just think Pulisic has something that's slightly different in the same way that Hazard had. I don't want to compare him to Hazard, but Hazard had that you know that moment where you go, what? What, 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 what happened there? Whereas, you know, so it's just a very direct, attacking, um, classy player that will assist and score, you know, and, and that's a brilliant thing. I, you know, I haven't seen enough of him to, to know whether he can do that X factor in the same way that Pulisic can. Maybe he can. If he can, brilliant, you know, but Pulisic just has something. I just hope the boy can stay fit.
3: Yeah, I I look, it, these will be interesting weeks ahead. Yeah. We'll start to this is a great thing. We've got new players all of whom are threatening to become very very good players for us. I'm, and I'm only saying threatening because it's early days. Yeah, we a all good know stat players for you,
2: right? A good stat. Chelsea's ha- Hakim Ziyech has been directly involved in 13 goals in his last 15 starts in Champions League, scoring six and assisting a further seven. I mean, the boy's class.
3: Okay, uh, I've got a boring stat for you right back at you. Go on. Werner's goal was his eighth in the Champions League, and they have all come away from home. He's never scored a goal at home, and he is top of the away goal scorer's Who've only ever scored away from home, so yeah. weird one. So better not play him against Wren then, hey? <laughs> well, there
2: you go. Oh, uh, I, you know, there is some other interesting stats from that game. Callum hudson odoi just the second teenager to score for Chelsea in the Champions League. Who uh, was the first? Uh, Rhys James, I think, who scored against yes. Ajax last season. Um, so you know, there were some interesting, you know, sort of statistics and fallouts from that game. Um, and you know, these group games in the Champions League, I mean, they tend to be instantly forgettable. I would imagine by this time next year. We won't remember any of the details of this game. We won't remember Zayek's debut. Um, but but ultimately, you know, these are games to get through. It's left us top of the table after two games on goal difference. You know, so so all good. You know, and and, and you know, full steam ahead to Ren on Wednesday.
3: Absolutely right. Well, look, we should go to our break. It's that time, so we'll be back in a minute. And we're back. So after the journey back from Russia, which took whatever it was, four or five hours, uh, we were faced with a trip to Burnley away. Now, the idea of this game is always more worrying than it often turns out to be for us. Mm. But this was a wonderful performance, full of skill, guile, interplay. It, it, it was, it was fantastic. So, so were you happy with the lineup? Because we, we saw this. Uh, Evolution from the midweek game and played this midfield um, As we've talked about were you happy to to see the team that went out?
2: Well it was all about the midfield wasn't it you know as you've already alluded to a midfield three of Havertz Kante and Mount with Kante playing in the Kante position properly for the first time for a long time Havertz you know marauding forward in a kind of you know eight slash ten position uh, Mason Mount buzzing around and doing what Mason does bringing energy to the game you know creating things you know closing people down it it was a joy to watch um, so, so that was the kind of key thing Tammy Abraham coming in give, uh, you know Werner wasn't going to play but uh, Pulisic got got injured in the warm-up so Werner had to come in and play on the left-hand side with Abraham in the middle and Zayek on the right-hand side so that was exciting to see uh, and at the back Thiago Silva came back in having set out the the midweek game in Russia uh, alongside Kurt Zuma with Reese James and Ben Chilwell at full-back it looked like the strongest team that we'd put out for a long long time
3: yeah absolutely Uh, when you saw it you thought okay he is going to go and try and score the first goal here it wasn't a case of we'll wait and see what happens this was about a team that was going to go and threaten the team they decided maybe they'd, they'd all got confidence from the the clean sheets three clean sheets in a row and decided this is the time now where we don't just hold out for the first half, just see what happens. we've decided to go on the front foot and I, yeah I, I think it was a, an amazing performance really because we never let them settle. we never let them get into the game in any way shape or form. in fact so much so that you you would say, well we were lucky we came up against a really poor Burnley side that may be true but i think we made them poor and as well, you sorry
2: you No, i'd no, sorry to interrupt. you know they are they, they they they're not a great burnley side and they are you know let's be honest sitting rock bottom of the table with only one point after six games but you know they didn't they didn't play badly against spurs in the previous game i thought they were pretty unlucky not not to have got something against spurs and they really should have had all three points against West Brom in in the previous fixture. So you know they're a team that, are, that just weren't able to get over the line. But the idea that they were getting absolutely smashed every week is is misleading. When you look at, at uh, you look at the table, they're, they're never a team to take lightly. I mean, it, it is it is a ground where we have a, a decent record, um, and a, a team that we've got a, a reasonable record against. But I think what was key about this game was could we employ the attacking firepower that we no, we have and keep it solid enough against the kind of attacking that they do which is big balls into the box to the big guys you know it's a very championship approach in some ways isn't it it's using the physicality of you know of some of their front players uh wood uh, and barnes uh you know particularly you know who who love the ball coming up to them who love to go one-on-one with players in in a physical sense could we cope with that could we cope with set pieces um and you know the answer was yes emphatically yes i thought that you know yes we can look at all the wonderful Play that came through the transitions in the midfield. We can look at the finishing. We could look at all that stuff. But really, let's look at that defence and the defending that was done in that game. I thought we were superb. Would
3: you not agree that for me, probably the most improved defensive player, and I'm talking about his defending in these last few weeks, has been Rhys James. He's suddenly come in. and made it very difficult for Aspie to get into the side on merit now. Rhys James. James.
2: Yeah. He, he, Rhys James was fantastic in that game. Absolutely fantastic. Now, I have been a vocal naysayer about Rhys James in a back four. You know, my, my view has always been he's a brilliant wing-back. He's a fairly callow and inexperienced full-back. But in that game, his maturity his reading of the game his uh, just all-round performance i for me made him man of the match i thought he was man of the match i think it's easy to look at hakim say and say you know he, he he his was the most eye-catching display, and it was but for all those reasons that you mentioned his improvement and his ability to learn and develop as a player i thought that was a pivotal game for reese james
3: yeah, I I agree. Totally. That's why I wanted to bring it up. I, th- yeah. I think something has gone on here that, you know, maybe we've learned how to coach or maybe we've now got defenders who will listen because they feel comfortable as that unit. There's well, a we've great got a leader.
2: We've got a yeah. leader at the back now in Thiago Silva. What yeah. we haven't had in our defence prior to Thiago Silva coming in was leadership. And I think in that game particularly, you saw his ability to marshal, to keep people calm, for other players to trust each other the goalkeeper is a huge factor in this world in terms of trust at the back so I think you know the additions of those two players Mendy and Silva alongside clearly some coaching and some strategic thinking that's gone on uh from Frank Lampard and his team to their credit um has has led to a mindset that has created some solidity that's been sorely missing in the team
3: yeah, I'd, I'd also mention Chilwell has just settled in, so much so that we don't even mention him now. It's just assumed that he'll be great. I mean, and the he's, don't forget, still nursing an injury. So yeah. who knows what he'll be like when
2: he's 100%. Um, I think he he was all right in that game. I mean, he, what was good about that game is was he wasn't brilliant in the game. Uh, he was, you know, he, he he's had better games for Chelsea. But he had that sort of 7 out of 10 performance you know that's that sort of baseline performance which is quality but not spectacular and i think that 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 that's that's really good to see because you don't expect players to be robots you don't expect them to come in and put nine out of ten performances every game but you need a baseline you don't want them to fluctuate between four out of ten and nine out of ten you know that's no good what you need is consistency and what, what he shows is he's consistently good at a baseline that's enough when he's not playing at his very best to do the job, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah,
3: it does. I, I actually thought he had a, a pretty good game and um, I, I like the way that we've got two people who can drop up it almost like wingbacks would do. They can drop up into midfield or drop back, but they're reading it correctly. Now, whether that's because silver is pulling them about and saying you can go, you can go or saying you need to come back. There's communication going on. And this is something we talked about, especially last year that we had, players but there seems to be no one talking well there seems to be a lot of people talking now and at the right times not just for the sake of it and and they're working together we're we're seeing i think i think frank talked about it after the game it takes time for for players to build their relationships with other players in certain parts of the pitch
2: this is what we were talking about in the you know in the early part of this podcast was you're integrating six new players it takes time
3: yeah but they're all looking to be integrating at this moment in time, yeah. and and again, you know, in a way, there's, there's. Do we talk about how good Mount was? Do we talk about how Havertz grew into the game? Um, you know, well, he funnily was-
2: enough, if you play players in their correct positions, if you play players in the positions where they are among the best in the world, funnily enough, it tends to work, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you play Kante at the base of a midfield where Kante is probably the best player in the world in that position. Funnily enough, it seems to go quite well. You play Havertz in a situation now Havertz got caught on the ball a couple of times and that maybe, you know, overshadowed his performance a little bit, but I think that's probably just getting up to the pace of the Premier League and, and you know, he'll sort that out. He's a very you know, clever and intelligent um and and, and Deep-thinking player, I think he'll he'll sort that out pretty quickly. It was you know disappointing and irritating and frustrating to see to see that happen. Um, but I, I think also as well when he's on the ball in a central position and marauding forward and picking passes and seeing things that other players don't see, you can see what an incredible player he's going to be. And and Mount being able to. To, to be the tempo player in that midfield And pick the ball up And and, and, and get forward and, and create opportunities But also close players down Suddenly you're seeing players in the positions Where they are fantastic Not being played out of position Not being tried, not being round uh, holes being, Or round pegs being fitted into square holes I think that it's, it's, you know, it's suddenly starting to coalesce That we have these incredible players But you have to play them in the positions where they're best
3: but also, I would say that the one player, I think Jorginho will always come on and do a job towards the end of games. I don't think he's a certain starter for for many games at this moment in time. The player that would probably have the most to fear with what happened against Burnley is Kovacic, I would suggest. Mm. Um, I, I I think... He could be, unless there's injuries and things, I think he could end up as the forgotten man of the midfield, having been the player of the year last year.
2: Yeah, I think there's a little bit of truth in that. Jorginho's a specialist player. We've said that before. You know, in certain games where the play is in front of Jorginho, where he has time on the ball, where he's able to be the outlet, where he's able to, you know, Play the short pass. Play the simple pass. Keep the tempo going. Um, You know, he he's a great player, and he will be used in those situations. in in a game where a team is going to press you uh, and, and, and overwhelm the midfield and try and dominate the midfield, perhaps Jorginho isn't that player. Um, and I think Frank's starting to realise where Jorginho's strengths lie. But to be able to bring him in after, after 86 minutes to close a game out, um, you know, in, in that kind of Mikel, he's a very different player to Mikel, but in that kind of Mikel role where you bring him on to, to be a, uh, a, a trustworthy player in the latter stages of a game, that's, that's a great position to be in. Kovacic, I think he's going to be in and around the team because there's so many games to play um, and you just can't you can't flog these midfield players to death. You can't play the same midfield players in 50 games. So I think Kovacic is going to get a lot of games and it's up to him to to influence him. I think the, 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 the Kovacic thing is going to be Kovacic or Mount. I think the other two players, Havertz and Kante, are pretty nailed on. I think uh, Kovacic and Mount is going to be the, the interesting dynamic to watch as the season progresses.
3: I think Kovacic is going to be Mount's understudy for the rest of the year. That, that's my, my take on it. I think Frank loves Mason Mount. I actually love Mason Mount. I don't think there's anything other than good things about him. Um, he's tireless. He tracks back. This is the interesting thing about all these creative players. They all press wherever they are on the pitch. And I thought we're starting to see signs of them and and what they can do. They understand not to just let the ball go when it's in their area they have to be the one to press and that we'll see how how that carries on through the season because that's a tiring ability
2: to have but that's my point yeah exactly that's my no point. i i, I, get it. I, I think, uh, mounts understudy i think that's harsh I think I think he will be competing with Mount for that midfield slot. That's my view. I mean, you may be right, Kerry. Mount might be one of those players that can play fifty games a season. You know, so there are some players that can do that. You know, Frank Lampard did. You know, Frank Lampard was able to play. You know, game after game after game, and didn't never never wanted to miss a game. We've had players like that throughout history in midfield that can just play every game. Um, maybe Mason Mount is fit enough and robust enough to be able to do that. But in the modern Premier League, uh, with the other demands of cup competition. And I, I think that there will be a really interesting battle between Kovacic and Matt because I think he trusts both those players to do a job. And and that's a great thing for us, a great thing for the football club to you know to have two players properly competing for a place in midfield.
3: Yeah, we will see. I, I think Kovacic will spend more time on the bench. Well, you've, you've made that come, clear, but yeah, you know that's absolutely. that's
2: that, that's you know that 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 I think it remain remains to be seen is my point.
3: No, exactly. Look, it's all great stuff. It's all positive stuff because you know Kovacic was the first name on the team sheet a lot of the time last year, and now we're in a situation where he may not be or he may be. It's a, it's a good position we're in at this
2: moment in time. Anybody that thinks that they can predict what's going to happen, you know, in the next however many months the left of this football season, you know, is deluded because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what injuries are going to come. We don't know. You know, we, we've, we've put four clean sheets in a row together, which is fantastic, and it's the first time we've done that under Frank Lampard, and that's to be lauded. But we don't know, you know, whether we go into a tough run of games over Christmas, whether we put, you know, six defeats behind us, in which case there's going to be some more thinking about the team. So this is a very fluid and evolving situation. You know, we have a tendency to get overexcited about individual games or individual players' And, you know, Are I you think you're referring in, to me, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I do the same, Kerry. I do the same I'm, I'm not putting myself You know In some kind of Exalted position I get overexcited About individual games And individual players I mean, When I say we I genuinely mean we And you know You and I do it uh, You know on, on You know When we have our Private conversations And you know I do it with my friends And my family And my sons And you know We all get overexcited And you know But really If you take a step back And you, and you reflect And you think There's an awful lot Of football games In a season And things change On a, on a You know They turn on a sixpence You know A, a particular game A particular performance, you know, a particular injury requires a massive reshuffle. Suddenly, players come into the team and they get long runs, and I I just think it's 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 slightly foolish to to make hard predictions about about moving forward but your point about him loving Mount and Mount, you know, I, I think that's true, I think Mount is very much a Lampard player and if he can play a lot of games then Lampard will play him when he can but I think Lampard's also aware of the pressures that that this particular level of football brings on players too, that's all I'm saying
3: Yeah and I agree because look at last season, Mason Mount dipped in the middle of the season and it he, he didn't play as much for a period of time so yeah I, look, I totally agree with you yeah, we don't know what will happen on Saturday or no, next Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, every, every, look at the world we're in. Everything changes every day. So, yeah, totally take your point
2: on board. Mm. The, the other I mean, I Kante's gonna... a player that's had injury issues, isn't he? Um, you know, we don't know. You know, Kante's starting to look like Kante again. It was great to see Kante put – I thought Kante was quietly superb on Saturday. I thought yeah. he was brilliant and, you know, just, just looked to cut above a lot of other players on the pitch with his reading in a game and his – just his ability to mark space. All those things that we loved in first season, second season, Kante. And, and I just thought it was fantastic to see that again. But he has had injury worries. So if Kante gets injured, that throws some of the plans into disarray about the defensive nature of that midfield. So who comes in on that in that defensive role? So this is my point about one injury can spark a domino effect of, 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 of shuffles within the team, in which case Kovacic might come in and play a long run of game. So it, I just think it, there's so many variables. I'm wary of making hard and fast predictions, even yeah. though I do it, and you know I know I do it. And that's one of the <laughs> one of the things about being a football fan, isn't it? I mean, I think, absolutely.
3: You know, you there's know. nothing wrong with
2: being a hypocrite. Either. There, there's nothing wrong with it at all.
3: <laughs> um, the other thing you mentioned also clean sheet. Um, now, Edward Mendy has now kept three clean sheets in his first three Premier League games. Only Edward edward what did i say
2: edward uh, did i are say we call, Ed- are we calling
3: are we calling him edward no edward
2: edward 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 um <laughs> so edward i mean you were the one that told me off for calling giroud giroud
3: yeah well it is giroud but there we go <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, no my point is here this is eddie this is, eddie mendy
3: <laughs> this is a, a competition eddie mendy yeah i quite like that um
2: Rocksteady Eddie
3: Rocksteady Eddie um, He's kept three clean sheets in his first three Premier League games mm. Only two other Chelsea goalkeepers have ever done that Do you know who they are?
2: It's a very good question Thank Um you uh, 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 I would say Czech Yep Dehoy? Nope Oh, okay uh, <laughs> Dimitri Karin No Peter Bonetti? No. I don't know. Go on.
3: (laughs) Neil Sullivan.
2: Well, I would never have got that. Never have what got that. What a great question! That's from a good me. question. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Excellent. Did uh, you we, did you know this, or did you have to look this up? Of course, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, you did. Um,
3: but yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, well, there's a couple of other points to come to because we do have a competition coming up in a minute with uh, right. the Melbourne Chelsea Supporters Club. So we'll get to that in a sec. But a couple of other quick things. about Well, the only thing
2: the past- I wanted to say about it. Well, sorry to, to interrupt. Yeah, just course. while we're on, while, while we're on Edward Mendy, somebody said, and it's an yeah. interesting debate point, I'm not sure I agree with it, has Edouard Mendy had to make any saves that he otherwise would have been expected to save anyway? I mean, apart from perhaps the Rashford save in the Man United game, which we said Kepper probably wouldn't have got to, has he really been tested in the games that he's played? I mean, has he... You know, has he had a fairly easy run of it? I mean, it's just a question that I'm putting out there.
3: Yeah, he probably has, but he's done this. Look, as I said, what I like about him recently, I said this to you. um, I like him because he looks just like a goalkeeper, he does the simple things right, he doesn't yeah. look in a faff all the time, so yeah, of course, but maybe by his confidence that's helped his defenders be more confident, so maybe that's part of being a goalkeeper as well as, as, I, I, as I think you're absolutely
2: shots. right, I, I think you kind of earn, you earn your own right to you know, to do that by have a by quiet being, day by, um, Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's absolutely right, no, I just wanted to put it out there because yeah. I thought it was an interesting question as you know, has he, has he actually had to do anything or has he just sort of had, had this fairly easy Runner games where the defence has done all the work and all he's had to do was pick the ball up and you know and, and take goal kicks.
3: Yeah, I mean you could say against Burnley when it, the guy went through the middle uh, and hooked it over the the top of the bar. If that he had shut been Keppa that space would have, down
2: well. yeah, he, shot yeah, space he down shut down his way, space
3: it. down well. But that's the kind of thing where Kepper gives the penalty away.
2: Yeah, I thought he played extremely well against Man United and and, and made a couple of you know really really interesting interventions in that game. So no, I I don't agree with that person. I just no, but it's interesting interesting discussion.
3: discussion. I agree with you. And the other thing is now we've got a powerhouse at corners. I mean, Zuma three goals already, and uh, that's more than that's the same as he's ever scored in a season. So, do you know what
2: the difference is though? What's that? It's, de- it's delivery. Delivery. It's yeah. delivery. I mean, did you see uh, William did, for did you see Arsenal? Willi- well, yeah. Did you see yes. him hitting the first man against Arsenal? It's like, why are you letting him take the corners? Did You never watch a Chelsea game. It's like, you know, William hit the first man ninety percent of the time. Why are you letting him take corners? You know, yeah. surely you, you saw that. So I thought that was hilarious. Um, you know, having Ziyech, having Mount, <laughs> having some of these players that can deliver a ball into the, you know, into into the mixer, as they say, does give. Really good aerial players like zuma an opportunity, and he 's taken those opportunities great to see
3: yeah absolutely and 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 the other thing that was great, and this is what I like about him, Werner did pretty much i i 'd say.
2: Soddle nothing. for most of the game. Nothing. Nothing. But <laughs> that's then, the point about Werner, isn't it? Exactly.
3: And then he gets it. I mean, it was a beautiful move. Reese James, fantastic. Zayek. The way Zayek shuffled it from his left foot to the right foot and straight through to, to Werner. I mean, sorry, that breaks any defence. And then Werner, yeah. he gets it at his feet and you just go, goal. And then yeah, he puts yeah. it in the goal. He's
2: Simple. Not, he's He's no. an absolute dead-eyed killer in front of goal. And, and And we have to remember that, that he can have incredibly quiet games but in some games he'll just need one sniff and that, and that's what he got and it, that 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 absolute cold-blooded ability in front of goal is such an amazing thing at this level and i think that he's going to go on and score an absolute ton of goals for us and sometimes we'll go we didn't do anything else in the game and you'll just have to respond doesn't matter doesn't matter you know when he got his opportunity he took it um is he is he in his strongest position coming in off the left I, d- I don't think so I like playing him down the middle there's a lot of people that say he doesn't provide enough hold up in the middle he doesn't provide enough presence in the middle you know that we should be playing more of a target man in the middle as Giroud or, a, or, a, or an Abraham in the middle and let him feed off of that I think that's a debate that will evolve as, as this team evolves I think I think my view is that the front three will become very fluid and those players will interchange as they get to know each other in the same way that Robin and Duff did around um, Drogba I think that there's a, around um, you know some of the other forward players players that we had at that time. So I think that it's it's an interesting um it's an interesting thing to see how that's going to develop. You know, Werner's best position. But what we do know is that if he gets a sniff in front of goal, it's a pretty good chance that he's going to take it.
3: Yeah, I agree. And I th- I think here's the last point from the Burnley game for me. Um, I think Tammy Abraham Deserves an awful lot of credit for the way he's playing at the moment. He's acting like a pivot up front instead of acting like the "give it to me and let me score." He's bringing people into play. Yeah,
2: I, and that's I, the I, argument of some. And I mean, certainly the argument of my son. You know, we've had some heated debates about you know who who should play in that central position. He he thinks that Werner can sometimes be easily marked or or, or, or easily shepherded out the game, and he, I think he's got a point. You know, but. My point is that if you play him in a central area, then he's going to get more chances to score goals. So, uh, but but yes, that that idea of you, you, that you made about him pivoting, holding it up, bringing other players into the game in the same way that Giroud does that that's a perfectly valid point, and we will see how that system evolves as we move forward. I think in some games it's going to work; in other games, it might be better just playing a much more you know nippy. Uh, interchanging, fluid front three. I, th- I just think Frank needs to figure that out in, in, on a game by game basis.
3: Yeah, I just think it shows again that Frank is looking at all the options, and mm. if Werner can survive out there, it's a great option to have because he knows he can survive in the middle a lot of the time. So you know, it, it opens up his box of tricks, doesn't it? Yeah, so he can and, go- and
2: also he, he played he played in that position, that wide position, a lot for RB Leipzig. Yeah, you know, it's not as if, it's not as if we've shunted him out there and said, "Look, we know you are a central striker, but you are going to be playing on the left." It's something he did a lot in Germany, so it's not it's not new to him. It, the question is whether where where is he most effective? I think you know. I think probably the answer is anywhere in front of goal. Is where he's most effective. You know, that, that arriving late late at the back post, like he did for his goal uh, against Burnley, is just as effective as him pulling into space by the penalty spot and slotting it home. You know, yeah. it, it seems to be that anywhere in the 18 yard box is the kill zone for Werner.
3: Yeah, give him the ball, and that's what he needs. That's it. All right. Well, look. Uh, it's now competition time. This is in association with the Melbourne Chelsea Supporters Club, who've come up with some Chelsea face masks to raise some funds for their club, and we are going to give away two pairs of masks to people who answer some questions that follow correctly. Now, you've got your mask, haven't you, Andy? They I do. It's very good. Censors- it's, a, it's a
2: lovely silky material. Um, <laughs> it's it's the uh, it's the Paul Canneville shirt. You know the one I mean, yep. the one with the the, the 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 you know the blue shirt with the with the horizontal lines on it. Um, you know, it's 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 that it's that design. It's really nice,
3: and it is that good, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. So, yeah.
2: Really okay. good. So thank you thank you for, for for first of all to Russell and and the team over in Melbourne for for sending them through. You know, they have been worn uh, with pride in my uh, mainly Arsenal and Tottenham supporting area. Um and I've had some some funny looks and and uh, no comments so far, but certainly some 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 dark looks from uh, from people down my local high street, but uh, yeah, wear it with pride if you win it. Good man.
3: Um, Well, look, here's Matt Patterson from the club, telling us about the idea behind the face masks and a little about the club,
1: too. G'day, I'm Matt Patterson, and I'm an ex-officio member of the Melbourne Chelsea Supporters Committee and have been a member of the club here since 2015. The idea of the face masks came from our Scottish-born Graham Cleland, who had seen the local Glasgow Rangers club get some face masks made. Our committee decided to do a Melbourne version, and then the idea of the retro 1984 version to go along with it too. We have endured a tough time in Melbourne with a 13-week lockdown, and the face masks were, and still are, a mandatory item to wear when you are outside your home. We posted the retro idea online and found that there was interest from all over the world, and so we ordered a number that met the interest and what our club could afford. Other supporter clubs have bought the mask, from LA, San Diego on the west coast of the USA, to New York and Atlanta on the east coast. Neighbours New Zealand and the last dozen are on their way to Norway. Between the bulk buys, individuals from around Australia, Hong Kong and the UK have also bought. Our usual fundraiser activities have been hampered by the coronavirus, and so this seemed to be a perfect opportunity to put money into our club account. Our aim now is to subsidise events back at the pub we use, trying to entice people to spend money over the bar when we watch games, but also at other social events we create that are not in the middle of the night. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about our club on your podcast. I'm off to have a pint of the amber amber nectar and put a few shrimps on the barbie.
3: Well, thanks, Matt, for that. And we'll get on to the questions in a minute. Does it not amaze you how many supporters clubs there are around the world for Chelsea? I love the fact that we are international. Uh, it's 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 fabulous, really, to know that we've got friends all across the world, isn't it?
2: It is, and and it's something we touch on a lot on this podcast. You know, the the fact that we are a global club and that is to be celebrated. And we can sometimes, as match going supporters, become a bit cliquey and a bit elitist and a bit dismissive uh, of those people around the world that that love Chelsea as much as we do. And let's not, you know, underestimate the efforts that some fans have to go through to to watch the games in different time zones. If you're in a time zone that requires you to get up in the early hours of the morning uh, to watch it, then that's as much of an effort as jumping on a train and going to Stamford Bridge as far as I'm concerned and the fact that we're privileged enough uh, and geographically blessed enough to be able to go uh, and watch our team live doesn't make us better fans it doesn't make us more uh, intense fans it just makes us luckier fans in some ways and those uh, supporters around the world are just as passionate and just as part of the Chelsea family as we are so no I, I, I'm absolutely delighted that we have it and and, and you know and, and and long may it continue.
3: Absolutely. All right. Well, now, listen, folks, it's competition time. Um, okay. You're all going to go. need to go to their website, the Supporters Club website, which is www.melbournechelsea.com.au. That's M-E-L-B-O-U-R-N-E chelsea.com.au. I'll put it up on Twitter later as well so you can see it for those that that can uh, access that so these are your three questions and there's going to be a tiebreaker question as well so which former chelsea player appears in a couple of photos on the website name three of the melbourne buildings and iconic items that appear on their season badges what is the name of the pub where chelsea supporters in melbourne meet And then, as a tiebreaker, in case there's thousands of you tying for it, when Chelsea visited Perth in July 2018, how many Melbourne members made the trip west for the match? Just to say, Perth is four hours by plane or a 36-hour drive to get there, and it was played on a Monday night. The yeah, I mean that's the equivalent of
2: us. That's the, the yeah, that's the equivalent of us flying to Moscow for a game. So you know, respect for a friendly, for a friendly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. respect.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So those are your questions. I mean, Perth
2: is in the middle of nowhere. It's in yeah. the middle of nowhere. It's in Western Australia. My daughter-in-laws from Perth, uh, and they are very, very isolated. So anybody, you know, anybody who goes to an away game in Perth, you know, you can't doubt their commitment. No.
3: So there we go. So for the first. Two people who get the answers right. And if we get them all at the same time, the tiebreaker will break it. We need those four answers. So quickly again, which former Chelsea player appears in a couple of photos on their website? Name three of the Melbourne buildings that appear on their season badges. What is the name of the pub where Chelsea supporters in Melbourne meet? And when Chelsea visited Perth in July 2018, how many Melbourne members made the trip west for the match? Okay, there we go. All entries are to be in by kickoff on Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning or Saturday morning, wherever you are in the world, except it's only available to UK members because I've got to do the post. Um, So there we go. Right, Andy, coming up, do you know all those answers now? Have you looked them up already?
2: No, it's far too difficult for me and I've already got my mask, so, you know, (laughs) I I, I shan't be participating because I'm lazy. But, you know, good luck to anybody that is.
3: Okay, brilliant. All right, so coming up, we've got Wren in the Champions League and then Sheffield United. Sheffield United in particular, that was tricky last year. That was the first signs of grumbling people and not a great performance when we got held at Stamford Bridge. How are you seeing this week ahead?
2: uh Ren aren't a particularly good team we've nicked their goalkeeper so i don't know who their goalkeeper is now um they don't look overly impressive but hey it's the champions league you know those teams have got themselves into europe's elite competition they're not to be taken lightly um we Need to be on our game And continue the good work that we've done In the opening stages of the competition You know, a decent draw against a good severe team uh, A resounding victory against a weak Krasnodar team Let's not go into the Ren game with anything but incredible focus I think it, we should overcome them we have, We're have we on a good run, we're confident It'll be interesting to see what kind of team he puts out um, Whether he shuffles the pack again But I, I'm pretty confident that we can put in a decent performance And I'll say that, you know that will win 2-0 Yeah
3: I'll be intrigued To see whether Thiago Silva Plays this time round Or not Whether he rests him With an international break Coming up That's not so much Of a break for Silva Because he ends up Going to, to Brazil Or wherever Doesn't he I So
2: Yeah I, I would say yes Even though it's a home game I would say yes He'll he'll rest him for that game
3: Yeah I agree Okay I'm going to go For a 3-0 win um, Okay good I, I, I let's think hope so. you
2: know
3: Edouard Unless he decides To chuck it in the net Just for some mates or whatever. I think you know that's the way it's going. Sheffield United a little bit more nervy, but they haven't quite found the form of last year
2: yet, have they? No, they're bottom three at the moment. They've only got one point from seven games. They've got a goal difference of minus seven. They haven't managed to to replicate that exciting and difficult to play against football that they brought to the Premier League last season. Uh, they're clearly. I would say they're not in crisis, but they clearly have a, a, a slight lack of confidence at the moment. We're, we're on the up. Again, this is all about focus. It's all about taking our chances, and it's all about keeping it tight at the back. I mean, this is obvious things to say, but if we do all those things, we have enough in our locker to beat a team like Sheffield United. I'm going to say, again, 2-0. Oh, you and your two nils, are consistent. It's all about the clean sheets for me. I think that if we can, if we can continue this run of clean sheets, which I believe we can now, then we'll win football matches because we will definitely score.
3: Well, I'm all about the three nil, so I'm going three nil again. Okay, good. So there we go. Right. Well, that's it. Now look, everybody enter the competition those face masks they've all gone there are none left in the world they sold the last ones to norway so these are not only fantastic they keep you healthy they keep you safe and they're also collector's items so enter the competition thank you to melbourne supporters club as usual for taking part in this uh we'd love to thank everyone who listens andy if anyone wants to get in touch with us what's the best way of doing so
2: Best way to do so is through social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Chelsea Podcast. Uh, DMs are open if you want to contact us. All feedback and uh, responses are welcome. If you want to say anything about the episode or RTS or you know tell the world about us, we would very much appreciate it. Uh, you can follow us individually on at Kerry Levy, which is at C E R I L E V Y, or you can follow me on Mister A Saunders uh, on Instagram. It's at the Chelsea podcast uh, or kerry levy one c-e-r-i-l-e-v-y one and i am at one true saunders
3: brilliant well that's it all right andy look uh, have a great week we've got football to keep us going through lockdown come on you blues come on you blues
1: wasn't that a great podcast now if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day come and listen to ours
3: It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links to this podcast at chelseapodcast.net Sports
1: Social Podcast Network Step into the world of power, loyalty,